You're listening to The Dumb Will Speak, a podcast in which we seek to honor the truth of God as revealed in His Word. Hello once again, everybody. Welcome to another episode of The Dumb Will Speak. I'm Roy. And I'm Chaylin. And we're glad to be here today. It's a busy, it's been a busy few weeks, and we're going to do some catch-up. This will be, we'll, we'll let Chaylin tell us the rest of his uh, on-the-road trip. So we're titling this On the Road Part 2 with... Um, I don't know, Even just general in my office. general news, huh? What'd you say? Even though I'm in my office, it's on the road part two. <laughs> That's right. Absolutely. I'm going to maximize the screen because I cannot stand to see the uh, sound graph over your face. There we go. Oh, that's the first thing I do is maximize, just so I can see your pretty face in the morning. <laughs> well, we both got bedhead, but whatever. No, the, the, <laughs> the rest of the conference went well. Uh, I told you probably my biggest surprise, you know, it's no secret I wanted to see uh, Pastor John MacArthur. Yeah. Uh, that was no secret. But probably the biggest surprise for me that I had never heard speak. There were several of them I never heard speak. Let's be clear. You know, sure. on Strand, I never heard speak. I never heard. You know, really, uh, Justin Peters, I'd heard speak multiple times, not in person. Right, online. Uh, I've seen him online. but Yeah. So this is the first time I've seen any of them in person. But I saw, I'd heard them online. Ken Ham. Absolutely just was phenomenal. And then I learned yesterday, one of our uh, elders at church, his wife was talking to me and she asked me about the conference. They watched online. They watched every speaker online from home. And they asked which one was my favorite. And I, I made that comment about Ken Ham, you know, really just um, was enjoyable. I mean, yeah. And she said they went to the Creation Museum years and years ago before the Ark ever existed. And back then they had classes you could go to during the day. You know, they would give the schedule out a couple weeks in advance and you could go. Well, they walked in the class and lo and behold, Ken Ham was teaching the class. And she said she's been hooked on answers in Genesis ever since that. And, and but like I said, he, he really, um, really, really, I, I don't want to say surprised because I knew how intelligent he was. I knew what kind of a, apologist he was, especially in the book of Genesis, especially in the first 11 chapters. So I'm not surprised at any of that, but his communication skills was top notch, but knowledge was unbelievable. Just, just to, I it, he spoke for over an hour and it felt like, it felt like 10 minutes. Were it not I mean, for the fact that he holds to creationism and a literal, uh, seven day week interpretation and the old, uh, the old, I can't remember the guy's name. I believe he was an Anglican bishop who wrote, um, a timeline of, of, of biblical history and earth's history, I think in the 17 or 1800s. And he, he wrote a book in which he hypothesized the age of the earth between six and 7,000 years old at that time. So, yeah. And Ham still holds to that. So he holds to a very conservative, very limited time span of the earth and everything. And I don't, I don't think it's the end of the world if we say it's more than 6,000 years, but I understand his points. And I appreciate what he yeah, does. Yeah, but I don't think I would ever say millions. No, I wouldn't either. <laughs> no, you I wouldn't know, either. I, I, was... I don't think we've been around that long, and I don't think it needs to be. His stuff on the geological survey and on the fossil record and, and, and the different strata, the different layers of Earth underground as you dig underneath the turf, um, makes a lot of sense if, you, if, you're a, if you're not a uniformitarian. Uh, a word I once sent to my daughter. My daughter and I have this thing where we do word of the day. And once I sent her uniformitarianism, and she wrote back, wow, because <laughs> she had to look it up. She didn't know it. And it was like, 
it's basically the belief, and you'll find it in the epistles of Peter, the world is as it's always been, right? And he talks about that as an end-time scoffer yeah. thing, where people will scoff at God and say, you've been saying Christ is returning now for generations. He hasn't come back yet. The world is just like it always was. But Peter reminds them of the flood and the world that was before the flood. And because of that, we have to be people who believe in an intervention type system. Uh, we believe in construction going on in the universe, not construction. God created it good, but it's winding down, right? It's going towards a, an apocalypse, towards an end, towards a big a future event. So so we believe that there have been... My brain's not working this morning, Chad, and I cannot think of the word I'm trying to use. I keep talking around the word, but it's the opposite of uniformitarianism. We basically believe that there have been cosmic catastrophism. That's it. We believe there have been cosmic catastrophes. So does the evolutionists. They believe that a meteor once struck the earth and destroyed all the dinosaurs. We believe in the flood. What's the difference? To quote John MacArthur, we are not evolving. We are devolving. Devolving. Exactly. Happy Memorial Day as we record this. It's Memorial Day. And um, I would also say, folks, we had really good intentions a week before last to record another episode, but things just didn't work out. Uh, our schedules were just too busy. We wanted to do a follow-up then on the rest of the uh, trip that Chalen had. And uh, we were even going to have Pastor Dan on to talk, but it just didn't work out. Uh, but I wanted to say, you did miss all of day two. Have you had a chance to watch any of it on YouTube? Because they had all 10, 10 hours. No, no. They have it back on there. I haven't watched it yet. I'm waiting on Grace app, the Grace Media app. They'll put they it on have. there, won't they? What they'll do is buy the each. In, in they'll divide each session because the one thing I really really want to watch is um, I did go back and watch Mike Riccardi. I did watch Mike Riccardi that morning after Phil. Uh, I want to go watch and watch the QA because that QA was with Daryl Harrison mm-hmm. and uh, he's one of the ones that really talks a lot about CRT, social justice um, has a great podcast called Just Thinking I believe is what it is out of the Grace Church and I, I would literally Listen, it, it just so yeah, happens I, I plan to be talking about that pretty soon on one of my little bonus episodes oh, I'm putting together. Yeah, Just Thinking is a is a really excellent podcast that I found out through John Cooper, through Cooper Stuff. I'd say uh, two years ago or so, he had the two guys on there that host Just Thinking. And it made me go give it a listen. And I listened to the first four or five episodes then. Instead of listening to the current stuff, I went back to the beginning because that's how I, I, I do and their early episodes, the sound is really bad. They got a lot better, but the early early episodes, the sound quality is just such that it kind of you know kind of rankles, kind of like we were at first. <laughs> oh, I start to say, you know, we we had a nice setup with beautiful mics in a room, and we were using a three dollar <laughs> computer monitor. That's why it always sounded like you know we would always intro, you know, hello, welcome to the double speak, and it'd be Roy. I'm Roy, and then oh. <laughs> Because I was sitting next to the computer and you were on the other end of the table with your stuff. (laughs) It sounded like he was 10 feet away from the microphone because technically he was about six feet from the mic. Yeah. Well, Um, the thing was, it was, it was, you know, there's a little button you got to drop box. You got to tell it which, which microphone system to use. And it was, we were using the computer. We didn't know. Which is bad. We we did. So you, you did go back the third day, which would have been Friday, Friday before last. And, that's when you got to see. Friday. That's when you got to see Justin Peters, correct? And you were telling me that was really because you called uh, me on yeah. your way home and you said that was really good. Owen Strand spoke yep. first, probably in the words of Phil Johnson, the second most hated man on Twitter behind uh, behind Phil himself. Uh, <laughs> Owen Owen spoke. Uh, Owen's wrote that book, woke Christian woke and Christianity. I, 
got it somewhere. I bought it. What was there? Maybe it's down there. It's somewhere in this office. But anyway, I bought the book and kind of read through it already. Oh, update! Really, you did really buy another good. book, didn't you? I did. I bought two because remember I told you there was no bookstore and I was upset. Yeah, found it. And on the third day, <laughs> the books were open. <laughs> but it was very limited. They only had they only had the speakers' books. They only had to speak. You know, I got. Owen Strands, and then I got Justin Peters, where he talks about do not hinder them, talking about salvation at a young age, um, which is a really short treatise. Uh, but Justin Peters, that I encourage anybody to go listen to him. He talks about mysticism. You know, of course, his his thing is the charismatic movement and the you know right. the way the healers, the faith healers. Because if you don't know, Justin Peters has cerebral palsy, and, and he I'm had some what, very negative interactions with them. Oh, he, he went to a Todd Bentley, uh, and you can find this on YouTube. He went to a Todd Bentley. If you don't know him, he's the guy that punches you in the face and yells, bam, and heals you. Uh, <laughs> we thought that was cool, but. Wow. Yeah, I can't make that up. And um, he kind of looks like Vader off of WWE. If you ever remember the old Vader character, he kind of remember looks like Vader. Not not Darth Vader, not to be confused. Um, <laughs> he um, he, he kind of looks like him. Anyway, Justin Peters was there, and. Somehow Justin Peters ended up Mike at one of the, and Justin Peters immediately goes into sharing the gospel one-on-one before the mic is quickly yanked from him. And this guy with cerebral palsy is escorted by bodyguards off the stage. You can watch it on YouTube. Wow. And uh, yeah, 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 it was not, but anyway, he does this on mysticism and you and I've talked about this. You know, we see all these people, the strange fire shaking, their laughter. It's the Kundalini stuff. If you were to watch the people doing the Kundalini in India. That, that yes, Hinduism yes, that is that a Hindu sect. The Kundalinis are very charismatic. They go into trances, they commune with spirits, mm -hmm. and they begin to speak in tongues. And they also do this thing with the dance, and they walk through fire, and they do all kinds of stuff. And it looks a, Yes, the laughing. While, yes, laughing while worshiping. It sounds you, a whole lot like some of these other groups that we could talk about. And I haven't talked about uh, one that's Pentecostal uh, would be one of those that we would, that you would throw with that group that you're talking about. One that we could talk about one that's Pentecostal or big into that stuff. Um, you and I talked about Kundalini. Wow, man, when we start talking about Kundalini five, six years ago. Oh, wow. Yeah. And this charismatic movement. Yeah. It's, I mean, it's been a while. And when he said it, I'm like, man, there's a word I haven't, heard or used in years was kundalini you know thinking about that because it, I, I, mean, I don't know that we've ever mentioned it on the podcast uh, but we've had conversations about it in the past no, yeah. I don't, yeah because that's really what this podcast was born out of our hour to two hour long conversations <laughs> as we both were on the road yeah you know and that's what this was born out of because we talked about um you know the fire tunnels and all that and and we compared it to the kundalini spirit and if you watch some the, of our best podcasts uh, were never recorded <laughs> and the people uh, who listen go, yeah, I bet so. <laughs> I'll still never forget that the, the question that kind of drove us into this was when I called you one day and I said, so I, I got to know your thought on something. And we'd been talking for 30 minutes. I got to know your thought on something. And you're like, yes. And what's your thoughts on altar calls? <laughs> and you said, oh, young Padawan, you have much to learn. <laughs> yeah, and I said, I think you're ready now. And I gave you that book. and <laughs> <laughs> From there on, it was. Pagan uh, Christianity. We were simpatico. I realized that, uh, okay, I can have good conversations with this dude. Oh, and I, I must apologize to the listeners if there's annoying background noise. It sounds like we're on a submarine or something. It's because I'm at work. 
I'm not at work. I'm sorry. I'm at home in my basement studio, but upstairs there's a lot of work going on, construction work going on. They're, we're remodeling the house upstairs. So, and right now they're pounding, so you can hear it. But overall, what are you doing it, to the house, by the way? Uh, well, you've not been here since we changed the whole uh, dining room, living room setup, right? Oh, you knocked out the wall, yeah. right? Yeah. Did I give been you a picture there, of that? Right, right. You've been here, but you haven't seen it. Okay. Well, also, yeah. we're now uh, totally redoing the bathroom. New shower, oh, new flooring, right. new walls, everything but the ceiling will be changed. <laughs> just, just so you know, Roy's getting a handicapped shower now. <laughs> I should. Actually, no. We have a cast iron tub. I'm not getting rid of that sucker. So we're just building a new <laughs> surround around it. Yeah, we're changing everything around it, but we're leaving that in where it's at. Now, I do plan in the future to put a shower in my bedroom. <laughs> oh, sure. A <laughs> walk-in shower. We, but we... Uh... But yes, I know. I'm but, getting yeah, old, and I'm an empty sure. nester now. I can do whatever I want. I've got, you know, I better spend this money before I die. I can't take it with me, right? Yeah, there was a slip. I said, but the concert, the conference, really far exceeded my expectations. You know, and, and it's it's tough with us at our at, at our point of life to be able to go to these a lot. Sure. Our girls are young. I mean, by the time we got there, we were ready to go home and see the girls. Um, but you would definitely so do it our again. Girls are young, but it, if possible, do but you would definitely do it again oh, if possible. And you'd recommend it to anyone that has a chance. But I, I do know that the, the tickets sell out super fast. This one sold out in under an hour. Yeah, it's something else, man. And this this sold in under an hour. There was an evening with John MacArthur that happened for those that didn't have it. They had it on Northern University campus. They, have, they were in their stadium with a basketball. Uh, I didn't get to make that. Just work schedule didn't allow for my wife and I both didn't allow. So we uh, we didn't get to go to that. We we just caught the conference first thing Wednesday morning. John MacArthur kicked it off. Um, and then the Q&A, I listened to the Q&As were probably my favorite part. You know who I was surprised wasn't there with it being this close? I, you know, and you and I talked about this a little bit. I love Dr. Alma Oler. Yeah. But there was some years, well, I guess, too, pre-COVID. That's sad that that's how we mark things now. I think it was 2019. There seemed to have been a, I think it was at Shepherd's Conference. Yeah. There was a and a that happened, and they were questioning Dr. Moeller and not MacArthur. It was Phil. And I don't know if there's been a fallout. I was surprised he wasn't part of this conference, you know, only being an hour or so up the road. I was surprised he wasn't part of this. and. I didn't see him. I didn't, you know, he wasn't there. He wasn't in attendance. And maybe schedules conflicted. I don't know. I don't know how they do their graduation services and what week they do it. But that's what I'm saying. It's usually early May for those for those types of schools. So it it may have been the the same week. He was definitely doing his podcast, although he had been sick. He had gotten COVID. Was it that week or the week before? It was the week before that he had COVID. Yeah. Maybe he just didn't feel like traveling. I really don't know. That would be pure speculation. But it would have been nice if you could have seen him as well. I I still highly respect Al Mohler. He's in a a different position than guys like MacArthur are because he's actually part of a denominational system. And he's part of the SBC. Todd Friel wasn't there. You didn't see him, right? That was the other one that shocked me because one of the favorite things I used to listen to all the time. He would go there and talk to people, yeah. He's always at these Truth Matters conferences. And he's you in know, Georgia, so he's also close enough. Is a, do what now? Isn't he in Atlanta, Georgia? So he would have been close enough to yeah. drive up, too. And he always goes to them in California. I mean, typically he used to host the Q&A. Now he had, but see, he had that weird question where he did that one-word answer with MacArthur, 
and it was Beth Moore, and it was the famous "Go Home," you know, line from MacArthur. And oh yeah. So I mean, which I understood what MacArthur was saying. I, I don't. I don't even have a problem <laughs> with what he said. Um, but in saying, careful, that, you'll lose all of our woke. You know, you'll lose all of our work woke constituents if you're not careful what you say. <laughs> We don't care. We just don't care. I'm pretty sure. We don't have any woke people listening. Woke no, no, no. If they listened, they made it. If they listened, they made it five minutes. You know, the woke people on Twitter usually don't last very long. There, I had one the other day that uh, we were talking about something, and and I, I I met Owen Strand and actually had a good conversation with Owen Strand, and we were talking back and forth on Twitter, and you know, great job. And then I got abused because I was praising a man. Uh, I don't know for preaching the gospel, heaven help. Yeah. And uh, there was this one guy that that said something about, and you, I read through his whole thing, and he was terrible, terrible, terrible eisegesis. Just everything was eisegetical. He said, and nothing was in context. And he accused me of being eisegetical. And I and so I profoundly sent him the definition of eisegesis and exegesis, so he would be able to understand and not you know, be able to conflate the two here yeah and, don't, uh, don't confuse your terms so, people i don't want i don't want him to get confused on the two because if anybody would listen to any of my sermons you'll know that i am in no way isogetical nor do i ever plan to be if i am isogetical then somebody needs to remove me from the pulpit <laughs> and strip me of my abilities to be able to do anything and uh, so and you'll know I'm almost a curmudgeon when it comes to, there's a word we don't use often. I'm almost a curmudgeon when it comes to, I'm you, eisegetical. It's, it's, it's exegetical, not exegetical. I am exegetical. I, I, I'm not going to listen to eisegetical preaching. I'm not going to waste my time. But anyway, this guy was there. And basically, he ended his argument, and I thought this was a rubber stamp when I give him the definition. And he said, I know the definition. I'm like, well, your methodology seems to prove, prove otherwise. Because he's called his self and then he's like, "Your opinion means nothing to me." I'm like, "Oh well, thank you." So I'll take my ball and go home, I guess. You know, Chalen, about 25 years ago, I was working second shift at a at a state prison, and that night, I, I before the library closed, the prison had a library. Before the prison library closed, I found a book that I decided to um, check out and take home, and it was it was uh, I don't know if it was how it was worded, what the title was, but it was basically how you would know if you're a curmudgeon <laughs> i took it home and read it i was up till three or four a.m i got off at 12 i got home around one i was up till three or four a.m i read over half the book in that one setting and, and I, th- I said no oh, yeah i'm definitely a curmudgeon and it was uh it might have been curmudgeon's guide to something and it was uh it was great it was a great little book i'm just i'm just telling you and i was just like this is me this is totally me i'm a curmudgeon and i've been called it before i was once called it by my own grandmother so i <laughs> mean you know you're a curmudgeon if your grandmother calls you a curmudgeon and you're 14 years old when that happened. Yes. Yes, freshman in high school. When you're a curmudgeon at 14. Yeah, you're a curmudgeon. at 14, wow. She called me a curmudgeon. Oh, I was complaining yeah. about the, the politics are, of the country. Uh, and then she was like, you need to go outside. <laughs> you're a curmudgeon. Seven ways to tell if you're a curmudgeon. <laughs> Number one, you're impossible at restaurants. I do not check that one. No, that's all. not me. Clothes, ex- clothes exist for funk. Function, not fashion. Yeah, I'm pretty much. There. Uh, no, I don't. That wouldn't. That wouldn't be me. Technology refuses to cooperate with you. No, I'm not really a curmudgeon here. That's, but you. You do. That's me. That box. That's me. I'm a technophobe. People. You, you have replaced conversation with complaints. Uh, watching TV at home is your favorite pastime. Score. That one's kind of me. Yeah. Yep. 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 You balk at the. <laughs> 
Oh, no, no, you'll know this is me here because if you go back to the solid reference, you balk at the so-called evolution of language. <laughs> Absolutely. You we are both in, yeah, we're both in that camp. Uh, you just don't care. That's number seven. Yeah, I just don't care. That's why I said uh, earlier, if we lose our woke constituency, well, they, sh- they were in the wrong podcast anyway. They shouldn't have been here. <laughs> uh, one of the things here, it says, let's be honest. No, too expensive. Everything's too expensive to watching TV at home. Let's be honest, theater too expensive. You know how I say all the time. I spend that money to go to a theater, Ex- concerts. No. Except for the no. occasional kids' film, you really don't go to the movies anymore. No, no, it's too expensive, man. I went last week, dude, but I only went then- to see Doctor Strange, <laughs> multi madness, madness of multi multiversal madness. I don't know what it's called, but anyway. And then what was the other one? It says concert. Nowhere to say it. The funny story is my wife and I went to a Brooks and Dunn concert. Really, it's May 5th. I don't know when it was. It's May 5th. And we went to the concert, and we were on our way to the concert. <laughs> and we literally went, why are we doing this? The concert, Brooks and Dunn won't be on till 8. We go to bed at 8.30. <laughs> Jalen, golly. I, I was shocked when you, that day we were eating breakfast together and you were like, oh, I've got tickets to go to Brooks and Dunn. I'm like, you'll never make it. You'll fall asleep <laughs> at the concert. We did, it got to the encore and I'm like, I can't even hold my eyes open. Let's go home. Oh, I love the picture you sent me too, where you were, the people right in front of you were like old women with walkers. <laughs> They were. That's where we were sitting. They were on the floor with us. And Again, you're a curmudgeon. You know your your musical tastes have not evolved since the nineties. Yeah, you're a curmudgeon. <laughs> well, when you are listening to a group sing, and after the first song, the lead singer is like, "You have to give me a minute. I'm out of breath." You know, they went to a concert to sing "Star Yeah, you told me that. You said he said I'm uh, out of I'm out of shape, guys. I'm having trouble. <laughs> He got a stool. But you said he was able to hit the notes on Maria. Uh, he just couldn't breathe afterwards. <laughs> he, he just couldn't breathe for a few seconds, and he would hold it to the crowd. And uh, But uh, anyway, uh, let's reel this back in here. All right, so we've, so, <laughs> so we've covered the conference. I guess we'll get into other topics. Are we done with the conference? I guess we're Did done I with the conference. the conference. You, you came home. It, everything oh, was good. What I was going to say, what I was going to say, too, the other person there, if you ever get a chance to go here and you ever get a chance to speak to, you ever get a chance to engage with Mike Riccardi. And I've been talking about Mike Riccardi and I don't yeah, love with his preaching. He's the young dude. And Mike, I first heard about him through Todd Friel because Friel just loves him. And Yes. And for good reason. I mean, he, he, I listened to him that morning uh, and he was phenomenal. You know, I've heard him preach at Grace multiple times. But, you know, because the way our service is, we get out in a time where we can watch Grace. And I come home a lot of times and watch Grace, a community church. And he's preached multiple times. Right? Just, I mean, just a knockout. And then there's a thing you can go listen to is Grace Life Pulpit. And it is him and Phil Johnson co-tag team a Sunday school mm-hmm. there. But it's a, I mean, Sunday school at Grace Community Church is maybe it's 600 people. Uh, it's it's another sermon, you know, yeah. and so they kind of rotate there every week, and you you can grace live pulpit, you can get the app. I think it's on sermon audio, and you can listen to him and Phil. You know, they do Q and A's, and and Mike Riccardi was probably I'm not gonna say better than I expected, but he met all expectation. Man, he was just really really enjoyable. Of course, they're all scriptural, they're all biblical, sure. they're all men of God. You know. Oh no! Oh no! Are are they biblicists? 
we've had this conversation before, but they're biblicists. My goodness. Why would you want to be a biblicist? you got to think outside the box, folks. Christianity, you're logging it into a little tiny box here, which is just Bible only. I'm sorry. James oh. White's been going through this, you know. Been accused of being a biblicist the other day. No, uh, the other day, he actually owned it on the podcast. He was like, okay, yeah, guess what I am? I'm a biblicist. <laughs> Which we'd already said that here that we were on, on our podcast when I brought that up. But yeah, this idea that, you know, you got to have Thomas Aquinas and the church fathers and everything else to know. I'm not saying ignore church history or anything else or the, or the, or the, 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 the evolving over time of how we word doctrine, but the doctrines themselves are either there in the Bible or they're not. You don't base it on someone's well, writing. And I'm also careful too, because we talk about the Aquinas people, but I'm also the, the, Augustinian people too. I'm also careful with because some people just kind of, kind of they automatically rubber stamp Augustine and say, you know, this is everything's great. Man, he had some stuff too that was like, woo, easy there, chief. You know, but well, he know, had a very high ecclesiology. Uh, he had a high, very high ecclesiology. He was definitely in the in the yeah. sort of Roman camp. He was the idea of you know yeah, apostolic was. succession was okay with him. Other than that, I mean, his, his his views on grace and on predestination and other issues, I think, were scriptural. We can take what we want to take from it. We, the idea of how he dealt with, with heretics and that sort of thing. His Trinitarianism was right. He's good on so many levels. And then you read more and you go, oh, but he's off on that. <laughs> yeah. You, don't forget, he sided with Rome yep. on a lot of things. Yep. A lot of things. And, and so, Franklin babies. Well, like you and I always. Yeah, and like you and I always say, take the good, spit out the bad. Absolutely. You, know, you have to do that with everybody. You, you don't. Don't rubber stamp. I tell you the one I'm really even in our modern age. As much as we both revere guys like MacArthur and others, we don't put them on a pedestal and say, "and they do and they do no wrong, and they've never made a mistake from the pulpit." They absolutely have made mistakes from the pulpit. Well, and not only that, MacArthur would tell you, or any of these people with any sense would tell you, please check what I'm saying. If you, if you, my voice and your preacher says just affirm everything I say and don't check it. Yeah, get out of that church immediately. No, you need a Berean type. Preacher. You need you need a Berean attitude. Remember from the New Testament, the Bereans were considered more highly esteemed by Paul because they didn't take his word for anything. They searched the scriptures to see if what he was saying was true. But also, one thing I'll tell you: you remember we talked about the free stuff we were getting. Yeah. Um, we are going to start looking at this. We've got this. Uh, it's kind of a systematic theology for kids. It kind of the old Awana camp. Remember the Awana? Yeah. Um, but it it replaces it per se. So we're going to begin looking because we've been kind of looking for some criteria. Possibly not. I mean, we're gonna we're gonna entertain the idea of using this to see what happens. I mean, we're. All I think that was awesome that they just gave you a free set to to check, to test out to see if it's in, you're interested yeah. in it. Yeah, whole free set. I, and what I was asking was because I was going to order it for the girl for my girls. And we were going to kind of, um, we were going to go through it, um, is what we were going to do. And, um, but I get to talking to the guy and, you know, and, and he ends up sending the free set and the elders, we're going to take a look at it and, you know, see what we're going to do. You know, I, I mean, I don't, nothing set in stone. We will or won't. Yeah. Well, but it was, that's something I reckon too. There's another, I'd never heard of it. Another website that you could, um, look at, um, grace curriculum. I think it's .com, and they have a lot of curriculum on there that you can look at. Which So what I'm saying is if your church is looking for stuff. Check it out and see. You know, there are points you know, There are points I don't agree with MacArthur on. Uh, but 
they're all secondary and tertiary. Yeah, they're, they're so minor that they don't they don't they don't do anything to stop the the general thrust of his ministry and what he's preached throughout time. Yeah. And he's been fairly consistent. But you know, he'll tell you himself. He he got into a system for a while. I think it was in the eighties, where he sort of took a stance on um, sort of the subordination of the son within the Trinity. And he had to yeah. go backwards later and say, you know, I, I don't know what happened to me. I got off track there. I, I wasn't thinking through my Trinitarianism correctly. I had I had listened to some people that, that were, you know, they're smart. And he was influenced by what they said. And he was he said, I was wrong. There's no eternal subordination of the sun. Look, the, the subordination of the sun was during the time on the earth things. when he was incarnate. But that's well, something we won't get into today. <laughs> There was a thing on YouTube on uh, on Twitter the other day that it would it was it would have four pictures you know top left it would go you know it would go clockwise top left top right bottom right bottom left and what it would do is who influenced your ministry or your theological beliefs sure and it was so funny to see where people had evolved you know there was people that would you know Hagee they would have Hagee like first and then they would move to Adrian Rogers, and then they would move to John MacArthur, and then they would be the Bison would be like Calvin, <laughs> you know. So this guy starts out of Hagen and goes all the way to Calvin, you wow. know. And, and so, but it was a lot to see those kind of things, you know, uh, of where people influenced you because there was a time I remember as a very early Christian. I'm talking maybe within the first year that you listen to it's it's really easy to go astray then so you know i listened to like one or two of Hagee's because i didn't know who Hagee was and you listen to one to it Hagee, and he, it, it sounds good it sounds biblical and then when you begin to get a little older and you i don't know study the bible and you you, you read some of the past theologians you realize ooh, this is this is some walking doodle stuff you know yeah you go a little uh, deeper and you find out whoa wait a minute maybe this ain't what i thought it was yeah and, and then you evolve into, and, and you look, I know people say they evolved from Adrian Rogers. I, I'm not evolved, but, you know, kept, you know, growing. Yeah. I like Adrian Rogers. And if you got to remember, one of my favorite preachers sat under Adrian Rogers for several, several years. And that's Steve Lawson. Lawson. Sat yeah. under him. Yeah. yeah. And he, he raves about him. Now, he wasn't in the reform camp at that time. He since is now in the reform camp, but he wasn't in Lawson, the Lawson, not camp Rogers. <laughs> Rogers never uh, went. No, you, you, yeah, I just wanted no. to. I just wanted to qualify what you said because if people were listening, the no, way it was Steve worded, Lawson. they might have not realized you were talking about Lawson, not Rogers. Oh, I was talking about Lawson. Sorry. Well, actually, I highly recommend there is a old dividing line, James White. Oh yes, uh, where where Rogers goes through Romans nine. Is that right? Mm-hmm. And basically, James goes point for point. It's about two and a half hours, but really worth it. It may even be two parts. And a lot of it had to do but with the fact that um, White had had commented on Rogers' ex- explication of of Romans, and Rogers got angry and then preached a long sermon about it. And then he turned around and did the, an episode to refute it. Uh, during the later years of his life, Rogers, I think, had a kind of got out, kind of got it in his head that he had to make sure that. Reform didn't movement didn't come into Southern Baptist Convention, and at that in those earlier days, James White was a Southern Baptist. Yeah, he was. He even taught at a Southern Baptist. He even taught at a Southern Baptist seminary, even after he'd already left the SBC proper. Yeah. Now, uh, currently, White White actually teaches at the. um, (laughs) I'm going to call it by its colloquial term at the strip mall seminary. They actually have embraced it. And have T-shirts about it and everything. You know, we were talking about that the other day. Um, but 
Owen Strand is his is his guy, man. I think that's who actually interviewed him for the job. Asked him to come yeah, in. Yeah, and Owen, he, it's in Arkansas, Conway, Conway, Arkansas. Yes. And um, Conway, Arkansas, and Owen, Owen is there. You know, and is it I'll Grace? Is you. it called Grace Bible Theological Seminary? Is that is that it? I think so. GBTS. GBTS yeah. yeah, GBTS. I think so. But it's colloquially yeah, called the Strip Mall Cemetery. I mean, cemetery. I said cemetery. They make shirts. I'm sorry. Yeah, I'd like to All see right. one of those. I wouldn't mind having one. Well, it is a uh, they. It's um, they've got shirts. It's uh, it's kind of funny. They embraced it. They they embraced it, and it, I think it's a very theological sound. Obviously, you got James White on strength and teaching. I mean, it's um, yeah, right here. I can get you Strip Mall Seminary for twenty four ninety nine. <laughs> That's awesome. I would like to speak about a matter that that I actually put out a little apology for us not recording right before you went to the week before you went to the conference we were supposed to to record and we should have in order to stay on schedule and and snowflake roy actually backed out of it because he didn't really feel, feel like he had anything to say at that point he was just a little irritated but you know in recent events we've in, in the world we've had a lot of issues we've had the of course i'm referring to the 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 supreme court debacle and i will call it a debacle because that breach of trust should not have occurred I know since then there's been all these wild theories. The left is accusing the right of doing it. Some people even say uh, Alito himself had his clerk to leak it so that it would, for what reason? That that one is the most bizarre. Why would that happen? You know, whoever did it, though, has to be um, punished. If, if I were in charge, they'd be disbarred, or I would at least recommend them for disbarment because these are all attorneys, and they are supposed to keep I used to work for the courts. You have to keep the events of the court separate from politics, and you have to keep it privileged. It has to be sealed until the time it's made public. That shouldn't have happened. Uh, but there was so much political stuff going on at the time that I just didn't want to weigh in on it. It was frustrating seeing Diane Warren get out there and basically incite violence, but they won't. the media won't call her out for it, you know. And then when Jen Psaki, who was the uh, now former press secretary was questioned about it by a reporter from a cable television service. I want to think it was Fox, but I'm not sure. Yeah, I think it was a female reporter asked her, you know, Hey, isn't it illegal? Isn't it against federal law for people to pick it outside of the Supreme court or except in a public space or to actually go to the judges' homes or jurors or anyone else. And Saki was just like, well, we have a longstanding tradition of, uh, of protests, and as long as it's nonviolent, et cetera, et cetera, it's okay as long as your emotions are running high and it's for something you believe in and you're, and you're, and you're, you're wild-eyed fanatic, whether you're on the left or the right. I always love how people in this, in this country especially, but there are other countries like that in Europe as well, where as long as it's my side that's doing it, it's okay. I would say this if it was the right doing it. When, when January 6th of 2021 happened, you and I spoke out and on, on our next podcast after that and said that was a bad thing it was stupid shouldn't have done it okay you don't go in and vandalize our nation's capital because you're upset about election results or you have a conspiracy theory or you all this other stuff you know uh christians should not be involved in that and unfortunately the media seizes on those opportunities when they see people standing around with a quote christian flag and you know what i'm talking about the white and blue and with the red oh, cross yeah. And uh, when they see people standing out with a Christian flag while wearing a MAGA hat and a, and and Trump won on the uh, T-shirt and they're doing all this stuff at these events and then you have that violence that occurs and you have people b- going in and vandalizing 
the Capitol. And then the violence, most of the violence was actually Capitol Police against the protesters, but that's neither here nor there. The fact is that they, it suddenly becomes the darkest day in democracy. Um, but no one's speaking out about people going outside the judges' homes. That's their private residence. There is a federal statute that says you cannot interfere with any court proceeding, and you are not allowed to go to, to the, the residence of a juror, a judge, or a, or a solicitor. That's the, that's the attorney, either, either the prosecutor or the defense. In any federal case, federal law also allows them to, to investigate at the state and local level if that also occurs. So everyone standing outside those judges' homes are actually in violation of federal law, and nothing's being done about it. Absolutely. And that's what bothers me. They're intimidating the court. Look, you know how I feel about it, and I know how you feel about it. I hope, I pray to God every day that abortion ends in this country. But whether it does or doesn't, the way we get to that step is important, just as important as the result. If we tear ourselves apart, and now I'm going to say something, and this is why I didn't do this at the time, because I would have been much more violent at the time. I would have been much more upset. But I'm speaking to you, Phil Vischer, founder of VeggieTales, and your crazy lunatic left-wing uh, called Holy Post, which to me, you need to change your name. There's nothing holy about it. And of course, I know what you're doing, a play on the word Holy Ghost, plus the idea of, of a post as if you're some kind of news service, but you're not. I don't know if you know anything. I don't know if you ever know anything about those those people and the stuff they talk about. But it's insidious. No, I don't. They make fun. They would if they find out about us, they'll make fun of us. Go for it. I could care less. All right, you're not gonna you're not gonna bother me. You're really not gonna bother me. I'm a I'm just a country boy, and I don't really care what you think. But but these guys um, spend all day ranting about people like John MacArthur, James White. They like to pick on John Cooper, the lead singer of Skillet. And and people like that, and they like to pick on people like um, why in the world I can never remember this lady's name. I do not know. She was the member of a '90s Christian group called Zoe Girl, which I knew nothing about. But she's actually a friend of of John Cooper and his wife. They used to tour together in the late '90s. But but it, uh, Elisa Childers, that's who it is. And if you, she has a book out that um, comes pretty highly recommended by a lot of people. Uh, and and I I, would, I don't own it, so I can't comment on it. But basically, her whole thing is about deconstructionism, woke Christianity, and basically how it's destructive to people's faith and it's destructive to to the church. And folks, these guys are making an apology for deconstructionism and say it's a good thing. They don't understand what deconstructionism is. Okay, it's it's basically postmodern legal theory put into practice. We we talked about this when we talked about wokeism, right? We had that episode where we talked about yeah. Christianity. We talked about this before, but it's this, it basically comes out of French postmodernism. It's a, it's a legal theory that, that was talked about in our law schools throughout the 80s and 90s. And, and, and now it's mainstream. You got to deconstruct everything so we can get to the root of everything. And by the way, if you want to know what the root of everything is, white, male, heterosexual, and Christian. If you're any of those things, you're bad. If you're not any of those things, you're okay. It, but if you're straight and you're Christian, and if you happen to be a white male, that makes it even worse. I happen to be a white male, but that's not even there. But that makes it even worse because you're the root of all evil. Not greed, not lust, not disobedience to God, not rebellion and atheism. That's not the greatest evil. And I'm talking about people who claim to be Christians, okay? The greatest evil is you demanding your rights 
to worship in freedom and peace and to also proselytize. You should never witness to people. You might hurt their feelings. Let them be gay. Let them be transsexual. Let them be in open opposition to God and his order of nature. Let them be child molesters and pornographers, pedophilia, okay? Let them do all this stuff because God has grace for that, folks. He has grace for that. But he doesn't have grace for your inhospitality because that's how they view You do know, you remember Tom preached on hospitality yesterday in, in as found in Peter, chapter, 1 Peter chapter 4. That was the actual biblical definition of hospitality. What these guys preach and claim to be Christians as hospitality is a farce. And all it is, is let's just all come together and we, we forgive sins because God forgives sins. Folks, we don't forgive sins. It's not our job to forgive people's sins. It is our job to tell them that there is a day of judgment coming. And if we don't do that, by the way, their blood is required on our hands. That's biblical. We've got to stop hamstringing ourselves into this idea that we have to get along, get, get along to get along. We do not have to get along with the world. We have to live here until the day we die, yes. But we don't have to get along. When I say the world, I mean the world system. I don't mean the world that God so loved that he gave his only begotten son. That's not what I'm saying. I'm talking about, and you know that, I'm talking about the social, political, and religious world system, which is pure atheism, pure Satanism, and anti-Christian, anti-God. We don't have to try to make amends with them. We have to tell them, thus says the Lord, if you don't repent, your hour of judgment is coming. We love you so much, though, because we are to love them. Love our enemies. Pray for those that despitefully use us. I always quote King James. I can't help it. We are to do that, but we are still to speak truth. The whole point of the conference you went to, Truth Matters, is, and I know this is the kind of stance that John MacArthur would make on this, it matters how we live, but it matters what we preach as well and what we teach. And folks, coddling people, hoping they'll get saved, that's not how you're going to reach anybody. You talked about grace, grace, grace. They're not on, on their end, not, on, not our end. Sure. Is the term anti- no most mean anything to you? Anti-nomianism. Yeah, yeah. Hyper no law. Grace. There's no law. Yeah. Hyper grace. No law. No doubt. Hyper hyper grace. That's what it is. And and, and in that sin of violence. But in Romans, I mean, Paul said the law is our schoolmaster, and it brings us to that. We we don't have a knowledge of God until we know that we are fall short of God. Yeah. I That's mean, why hyper grace won't work. Hyper grace will never work. Antinomianism is but never. But Chalen, I guess my point is this: I'm concerned about the Christian left. I'm afraid they're left, but they're not Christian, and they've left Christianity. And I'm making a play on words there, I know, that's a pun. But I believe that many of them need to just be born again. I don't, I'm not sure they're saved. Not my, okay, we've talked about this before. We're not the no. final judge, that's Christ. But they're out there spewing stuff that's absolutely again, antithetical to Christianity, and they're calling real Christians, they're calling Christians that still believe the principles and the tenets of the faith, hateful. They're saying, we're haters. I don't hate anyone. I long to see people come to Jesus and be saved. Uh, that's God, my whole heart's so cry. But that's my whole heart's cry for this country and the whole world is that they would just come and come to Jesus. Well, if that's hate, then call me a hater. Well, here's what I'm no. Here's what I'm going to say on this subject, and it was covered at the conference. Everything you just mentioned, and you would agree with this, is a is a symptom. So we have to peel back the layers of the onion and figure out what is the problem. And if we can't figure out the basis of the problem, then trying to fix the symptom is irrelevant. Roy, you can see me. I'm moving my hands everywhere. And, and I was doing it too. I'm sorry about that. So, so 
what is the problem? And it's a basis problem. And I'm going to quote Ken Ham. The problem all begins with a wrong view of Genesis 1 through 11. Our problems are in view of Genesis 1 through 11. We see that sin, Adam, our federal head, through him, sin enters. And then sin enters through that. And we're still dealing with what would be a sin problem, a wrong basis. And we'll never correct the, the, the symptom of woke, uh, transsexual, of homosexuality. We'll never correct the symptom if we don't address the base. But they, these, these people, is that. But these people who, as I say, will tell you they're Christian. And they'll tell you that their faith is better than your faith uh, because their faith is more loving. And is that they, they, they were going to they say that they don't faith. have to address that because that's okay. They don't, you don't have to address that. But it's an open rebellion to God. It has to be addressed. We have to address sin at its very core. Right. It has to be addressed. You can't, I can't sit here, be, share the gospel with you. You get up and you say you profess Christ and then live any way you want. To quote Voldy Bauckham, you can live any way you want with the exception of your want-to changes. But if your want-to doesn't change, then you're never a Christian. So if that's why always people are like, well, I'm, I'm a homosexual and I'm a Christian. Th those two are antithetical to each other. It can't happen. And the reason being, you have no conviction of your sin. You're fine swimming in the quote-unquote cesspool of your sin. No matter whether it's pornography, homosexuality, uh, lying, stealing, greed, no matter what those are. Gambling, substance abuse, etc. <laughs> in, in name any of when, the problem is when you come into a right, correct relationship with Christ and you are under the lordship of Christ and there's no conviction for it, there's a major issue. Because when a Christian does something that is against God, antithetical to God, antithetical to Christ, and it goes against his commandments, we are convicted of that sin, and we repent for that sin. Did I say we're perfect? Absolutely not. No, we're we none of us. We fall short. Absolutely. But we are convicted of that. If we, if, if you're living in a sin and have no problem living in a sin, there is concern, and you might want to check the salvific nature in which you stand. Amen, brother. I mean, I'm off that, my soapbox. No, that's, that, you and I are saying the same thing. Seriously, we're, you know that we are. Um, oh, I know we It's it's just saddens me that we now have anything goes Christianity. But I'm sorry because if you're truly Christian, you're truly Christ-like, followers of Christ, little Christoni, little Christ, you can't you cannot approve of sin. You cannot say the natural man is just fine. Uh, I will say this: I, I I don't know how much you've read on this subject and know about it, but there are now books out that talk about there is no original sin. Now they've gone. Now they're trying to take the, the enlightenment, the Jean-Jacques Rousseau. Man is born free, and yet everywhere he's in change. Man is born essentially good, and then becomes corrupted by nature and natural world and society and people. That God gave us a clean slate, and we're born clean, and then we grow into sin. That's the that's the old version. They're basically saying this again: that there is no federal headship of Adam. We were not born into original sin. That's not scriptural, folks. Don't fall into that trap. But I, but that's what's on the left right now. That's there's books out recently about this in the within the last year to two year to two years. I just saw recently that Justin Brierley was going to have the author of one of those books on Unbelievable. I did not listen to the podcast, but he was having the author of one of those books on his podcast to discuss this theory that there is no such thing as original sin. I would recommend them anybody who's doing that to read any some of the councils on Pelagianism. 
see what was thought there. They ruled Pelagius as a heretic. Absolutely. And that's kind of along the same lines because Pelagius was saying there was a little bit of good born into everyone. It was that, you know, once again, antithetical to scripture, you know, it, we're all against God. If you're left in your natural state, you'll want, you'll never want anything. God, you're never going to wake up one day and on your own, just be like, you know what? I think I want Christianity today and it's not going to happen. Okay. So basically th there is no divine spark, right? That's what you're saying. No, but no, yet, no, no. yet he would have said no, there was. That's what these people are doing, though. They say there's a divine spark, or a spark of good in all humans, and it's just not the fact. It changes the very nature of man. We abhor the things. Well, the new well, we abhor the things of God until He changes our disposition. Well, the Bible says through one man, Adam, sin entered the world, and it if sin entered the world and it came in through a man, then it, it, it stands to reason that that is saying every man has sin. And we why do we have sin? Because for all have sinned, they fall short of the glory of God, right? Yeah. I mean, I'm and, not making that up. That's a quote honestly, from Scripture. <laughs> well, honestly, these people that are talking about this, it's elementary level Scripture that they're, that they're just killing. They're butchering elementary level scripture. Right. This is stuff you've heard all your life in any any message on salvation, for instance. Uh, speaking of salvation, we've still got some stuff coming up that we're in the works on that we don't have put together complete yet, but um, for soteriology, our series on soteriology. But that's forthcoming. Our next episode will include will it, Pastor Dan and Pastor Tom. Yes. And it, four of us in a round table, and we're trying to get the scheduling Yes, right. and, and in order to go along with that, I had permission from Tom to release a couple of his sermons, and one of them addresses a very key component of soteriology that we discussed in our introduction, which is the idea of there's two ways that people view salvation, and one is through man's works, and one is through God's finished work. And he mentioned that in this sermon in First uh, Peter chapter 3. And I'm going to say this, folks. Um, we don't often talk about this, but the place where we, go to, where we attend church, they have a uh, YouTube channel. And I would urge you to check that out. What Tom has done with First Peter has been so pastoral, so excellent. He's covered every subject known to man, but it's because that's what the Scripture dictated, and it's been great. Some of well, them have been more deep and more about theology, and others have been about practicality and how you live this in your daily life. I love the fact that he's got a mixture of we, both types. We've been at over a year, and we're just halfway through chapter four. Yeah. And I love that. And he's going to do Second Peter and then Jude. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, and I, I absolutely love the fact that we just time and we walk through and Take we explain it. You know, like yesterday, like yesterday, there's no way I'm going to get done. We'll pick it up next week. It ain't yeah. no big deal. Yeah, he had it all mapped out, but then he got, he, it, it just took longer to to actually preach, I think, than what he was thinking. Hey. And it, hey, we yeah. don't care. We don't care. I mean, that's what I like about it. Take your time and go through the scripture one verse at a time. One word at a time. <laughs> um, you remember me and Acts. How about his self-deprecation when he says, I'm no Greek scholar, but they tell me, and I leaned over to my wife and I said, Sandy, his his bachelor's degree was in Greek, so I mean, he's, he does know Greek. And then he went and did master's. Yeah. Daniel Wallace was I know Greek. this. That's, I mean, he's so. one of the preeminent grammarians of our time, of the second half of the 20th century and then the early 21st century. He is the Greek grammarian. Now, there's something that well, we we will we will have to. There is a elephant in the room that we will have to talk about soon. We may do a separate. I don't want to do it with soteriology. I'd, I'd rather us do it separately, just you and I. We have a copy of the report. 
I have a copy of the report. I assume you do. Oh, yeah. The 200, is it 228 pages? I haven't read it because it is long. You yes. talk about the SBC? Yes, there is. The we SBC we always comment. We always say, say that. Yeah, we always say that we're very honest and open about these things. Um, the SBC did release their report on um, abuse in the church, particularly sexual abuse, and in some cases, massive cover-ups. And so, but I don't want to go into the details until I've had a chance to get in the weeds on it. I'm going to say one thing. It does name names. I'm going to say one thing. I'm going to say one thing. I'm going to say one thing. Okay. Johnny Hunt. Yep. Released a statement and basically never denied any sexual, never denied any sexual uh, contact with a woman whom was not, who was not his wife. He just claimed never denied it was... the sexual contact. Just basically said he didn't force himself. Yeah. Tried to say it was consensual. Uh, let me, let me, let me, let me retract my statement. Inappropriate contact. I don't think he said, I don't think, I don't think intercourse was implied. I think it was. I don't think she. Touching and fond. Yeah. I don't think she ever alleged that they had intercourse. Was, only that he stated he yeah, wanted to. Me, he wanted to very badly and he wanted to on a daily basis while they were on vacation. Yeah. I don't, I don't think they ever, you know, consummated per se. Um, but to tell but a woman you want to and you make it clear, and she's not only someone you know, uh, whether you know her or not, to say that at your age. she is someone in your church and the wife of a man who is on had a position in that church. So, yeah. And it, she was like half his age. Yeah. And so, but he never denied the inappropriate touching of a woman that wasn't his wife. Well, Al Mohler brought it up. I mean, at the he time, just denied he forced this. Al Mohler did not say the name, but on that Monday, last Monday, he when he did that, he said, you know, I, I received, like everyone else did, a report yesterday afternoon. And he said, I did not have a heads up about this. He said, I have waited and tried to ignore the rumor mill and waited until I got to read it to see what it says. But he said, I was shocked to discover a president of the SBC named. So I don't think he knew about the Johnny Hunt thing. And I think he was shocked. But yeah, he, but he said there were people, but he former. said there were people that he knew in this, in this report. And that disturbs him. It should disturb him. It should disturb all of uh, us as Christians, not just as, as Baptist other. or as Southern Baptist, but as Christians, we should all be disturbed by this. But what that also tells us is we've got to do better. We do have to do better. Well, there's one other elephant in, in the room. And I feel bad that we're only going to address this briefly. There was a tragic school shooting that we need to be praying for the family. We need oh. to be praying for all those involved. Uvalde, Texas. And then people have asked in Texas. And uh, and then people ask, what do you do? It is still a Genesis 1 through 11 problem. It is. It's a sin problem. Yeah. When Cain when Cain killed and Abel, it was from his heart. Like that answer? Yeah. No, they don't like that answer. They want to they want to make it well, an issue I'll, about technology, about guns, about instruments of war. They don't want to make it about this man being totally disturbed. Being a child who was obviously, I say child because he was 18 years old, who was obviously something wrong with him, but also mostly just a sin issue. His heart was bad. He was a brat. He did it. Am I wrong to say he shot his grandmother in the face? I, I don't know. Before this, before he even report. goes and does I'll that, I'm pretty sure he killed her as well. They found out he killed her as well. So there, there's so many things going on. But he but, may have. But, but it's not just that. There have been so many weird attacks. There was the racially propagated racist attack of the, the 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 young white man that went to Buffalo, New York, and he planned to find an She's area. Alive, where, yes, huh? She's alive. Her grandmother's alive. She is alive. Okay, but she yes, survived. She's unable it. to speak, but she's alive. But this 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 yeah, you're right, and it's it. We can't cover it 
but but even if we tried to speak on it for two hours, it would all go back to the same thing. Just like we were dealing with dealing with quote left Christianity, and they're wanting to cover for sin. It all boils down to one thing: man has a sin nature; it must be dealt with. How are you going to deal with it? Well, guess what? Christ dealt with it on the cross. But what your what your role in that is to recognize your perversion, that you stand in opposition to a holy God. You must be born again, and you have to cry out to God for mercy. All the dying thief said on the cross was, Lord, remember me. And he said, yes. He said, yes, you'll be with me today in paradise. The man in the synagogue who was the tax collector, right? The publican who fell on his face and smote his chest and said, Lord, have mercy on me, a sinner. What did Jesus say about him compared to the Pharisee standing up with his hands raised saying, I thank thee, Lord, that I am not like this man, a publican and a sinner. He the says he went home justified. justified. So it is all about so. repentance and crying on the mercy of God. That's how you're, you're born again. That's the simplest way of saying how you're born again, but we're still going to talk about it in, in greater detail with soteriology. Chalen, thank you for doing this with me today on a holiday, and as soon as we get this edited, I'll put it out. I don't know if it'll be today. It may be later in the week, but um, I've also got some bonus material to put out. I'm going to have that sermon by Tom, and I've got just a little quirky thing that I recorded a few weeks ago very short that I'm going to put out and you know what it is what I told you and so there'll be plenty of more, a new material coming in the future I promise I love you brother thank you for all that you do all right See you,